welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone that's been tuning in after a little bit of a break. We've got lots of exciting, great guests. Um, I have a special one today. Um, good friend and colleague halfway across the war, uh, a world, um, Lyndon Moore out of NYU University, New Zealand woman's basketball expert and advocate. <laughs> um, how's that introduction? <laughs> it's, it's perfect, man. Thanks. It's really exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Um, obviously, we're both busy people um, and yeah, we, we, we Skype and connect often, but um had to actually just get my ass into gear to actually get you on the podcast, but I'm I'm glad to to have you here and um, both busy with the obviously on the other sides of the world in terms of um, the time difference, but yeah, happy to have you here. We're just going to rip right in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then the question I always ask people to start off with is, tell me about your love of basketball. Yeah, for sure. So kia ora everyone. My name is Lyndon. Uh, Stevie said I'm actually currently on the other side of the world. I'm actually from the United States originally, born in California, spent a lot of my life, uh, well, pretty much all my life over here. I did live uh, two brief stints and one, one stint in uh, Washington, D.C. when I was young and then uh, London when I was eight. So I really have been around the world, been lucky enough to do that, but grew up majority of the time on the West Coast. Uh, did all my studies over here and then really just came for basketball it's been interesting for me because I haven't I was never able to play it uh, like many kids have at a young age uh, because of a heart condition that took me out for 18 years and so really I had to talk to it was really my family that got me into it and so I was going to uh, Cal Berkeley basketball games from the time I could walk and really it started I was bonding time with my family but I think I was around 13 when my mom let my dad was out of town my mom's like you know we're gonna go to a game with uh you know grandma and papa and my uncle and for some reason it was just that game I found I just really learned to fall in love with it I don't remember what it was I also found my favorite player uh at that time and so really it was just that that one time in January about 10 years ago that uh, just really captivated me and ever, you know, I've been rolling with it ever since. Love it. I love it. Yeah. The, um, there's something about, and I, I mean, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but there's something about connecting with people that love the game that just doesn't get old. <laughs> like, no, I hundred percent. Yeah. It's just, yeah. When, when you, when you connect with people and you have, contacts and you know people that you're fond of and and that are in the game it's like being part of the basketball community and like yeah hanging out with those people and that energy is like it's yeah it's one of the big reasons that I do it but it's funny because before I got into this um crazy world <laughs> um I didn't realize that the basketball community was like this and um yeah it's like there's just something about the energy and, and the game and um, yeah, I, I, I can't get enough of it. So um, yeah, it's, pre it's pretty awesome. Um, so you're about to hand in your last papers at NYU. Um, obviously have been, and it's been a big, um, big push for you to sort of get this finished. Um, tell people about what you studied 
and a little bit about some of the interesting stuff that you've that you've done over your time at NYU. Um, yeah, I feel like the study experience over there has been pretty awesome. You've been able to share some of it with me. Um, and then also what your plans are for after you finish studying. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the time here at NYU has absolutely been hands down incredible. I, my decision to come here was actually kind of on the fly and a last minute one. So I'm really glad I ended up doing it, but you know, you really can't beat being in pretty much the biggest age in the world in terms of sport entertainment, you know, besides Los Angeles. And so, you know, I took the plunge and I decided in college that, you know, sports business was something that I really fell in love with and that I really, really liked. And that was branding, that was working with athletes and, you know, it was the marketing side. And so uh, I decided to apply in my senior year at University of Oregon and for the master's in sport business program here at the uh, Tisch Institute for Global Sport here at NYU. And man, it's been, it's been really unique because we've been able to get a little bit of everything because what I love about the program is that the first year they're going to immerse you in pretty much everything from legal studies to research to finance to economics to pretty much everything so we have a little bit of a working knowledge um, and then we get to go into some of the specialty classes I specialize in sports law uh, which basically just means labor relations contracts and things like that but you know you're really set up to do anything and so man some of the cool experiences I like some of the stuff I could never have dreamt of when I first got here. Um, the two big ones I think that have been played the most in my development. Uh, the first one was actually last summer, even though we were in the virtual space. Uh, so shout out Professor David Hollander. Uh, y'all, y'all should look him up. He's a basketball genius and just a really cool guy, lawyer. Um, but he basically formed a relationship with the Creative Art Artist Agency out in LA. And uh, they actually represent Devin Booker at the Phoenix Suns in the NBA, as I know as many of us know. And uh, basically, we just got this email in our inbox one day saying, hey, we have this class called Real World, which is something that they normally do in the semester, but it's 14 weeks. This one was going to be condensed into six weeks. But uh, basically, what they're like, we're going to give you this opportunity. It's going to be a class of like 14 people. You all are going to be in groups of you know, however many or solo, and you're going to create this project based on a prompt around Devin. And so I didn't necessarily need to take it, but I jumped at it because I was like, this is a once in a lifetime experience and it's marketing and it's MBA and it's all this kind of stuff. And um, so I, I went for it and I worked with three other graduate students uh, in our group. And basically the prompt was, uh, we had all this reading on him, but they, they, his agent came to us and said, you, you know, we're looking for you all to find a way to monetize Devin's, you know, name, image, and likeness, his intellectual property, essentially, in the gaming space, because that's a big hobby of his. So that's, they're like, that's all we're going to tell you. We want you to have room to be creative. Go for it. So my group, it was pretty awesome. We had sit suites. It was also incredibly stressful, but we found um, ultimately a way to integrate him with ESPN. And the idea to integrate him with ESPN is an esports ambassador. And so we came up with that. We, you know, we pitched it, we sent it into CAA, and then Devin actually came in our final class to speak to us and actually give us feedback in real time 
which is just super surreal because you know you don't things like oh like my work is actually doing something and uh they were all you know those ideas are still up for grabs if they want to use them and so that was just really cool because we got to see all the elements of time in the agency and how these things work behind the scenes as students um and then so the second thing probably this other most impactful experience i've had among others is probably so my time as a intern at wasserman media group which i know in our industry is a huge huge name and so uh this was actually really cool because this was a goal i've been working toward for a while this brands and properties internship uh because at oregon they kept talking about it and then here and I actually had a friend and a colleague from college who did this internship and he said, you know, I think you'd be really good for it, um, especially at an agency where you're able to uh, just get a little bit of dabble of everything. So uh, I applied in the spring, didn't get it, probably blessing in disguise with the way uh, the world kind of shifted and uh, used the summer to grow a little bit more in my work and then reapplied the fall. And then it was ultimately selected as a brands and properties intern for the fall semester, placed on the AT&T account, which was awesome because that happened to be the one where it really aligned with what I wanted, with what I loved and my passions were WNBA, uh, American Film Institute, their festival, the Tribeca Film Festival, really anything having to do with that, I got to have a little bit of a say in. Um, I'd actually got to create panel topics and things that were actually read out by WNBA players and hosts and people that, you know, we see on YouTube in everyday life. And so seeing that work being put out in the world or having it affect others was just really cool and really strengthened my love of brands and storytelling. And, you know, I'd have to connect with some awesome people agency side, you know, internally as well. And so that was a really cool real life work experience. And I know, um, you know, just I probably wouldn't have gone elsewhere. So that was all great. And then hoping, um, you know, after I finish up in a couple of weeks, I'm really making a push toward coming down to New Zealand at some point in the future. Not entirely sure where that's going to be, just, you know, with the pandemic and everything, uh, putting a bit of a dent in people's plans. But, uh, you know, continuing to find opportunities there and, you know, whatever way I can help. Uh, whether that's virtually or in person someday, because that's, I think, you know, that's exactly where I want to be. That's awesome. <clears throat> For those that don't know, um, Washerman Group, uh, one of the NBA's biggest agencies, and also represents Stephen Adams. So I think, um, Lyndon, we've always talked about your passion for wanting to come to New Zealand and make the dif- a difference. And um, without a doubt, in New Zealand, we need to push the game and continue to really commercialize it and make make things as great as we know they can be with the interest levels down here, with the playing numbers down here. We need to have more people that have um, experience working with these big brands, with um, this real life experience. And look, there's not, this isn't again, and that, that, this isn't to talk down on people that don't have that experience, but when you when you've experienced the best, um, and you and you have seen ideas and things that are done differently in a different part of the world, um, bringing that experience to New Zealand, where the the basketball scene here and, and you know professionalism and and everything, you know, it's it's still at a very 
think infantile is probably the right word. It's not, it's not matured yet. And, and so like having that real life experience in terms of working with these big agencies and these brands. And, um, you know, you obviously just spoke about Devin Booker, like that, how we get more money into the game is by bringing in sponsors that can, that our values align with and, and, or not just values, but bring in sponsors that align with the game of basketball and then have similar values. Like that, that's how we continue to grow and, and have synergies. And down here, there's, you know, there's been sports that have done really well. And the reason that a sport like rugby did really well on and off the court was because they developed synergies with sponsors that meshed really well with rugby. So they were able to bring in, you know, massive amounts of sponsorship money. Um, and, um, I don't, I don't want to go too deep talking about funding. It's something that I get sick of talking about in New Zealand, like talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd much rather talk about, we, we, you know, we can argue about a couple of hundred thousand here or there for funding. I'd much rather talk about multi-million dollar sponsorship deals like that. That's where I think that basketball should be is funding can come and go, but you know, sign up sponsors to a million or two million or three million a year or whatever it is or five million over 10 years or something like that sign sponsors up you know sponsors sponsor money and and bringing in big brands to sponsor basketball that's where we need to be um the yeah the funding space it would be great if we if we were able to get a bit more but um i think that a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand there is just not really going to it's not going to grow things at the rate we need. We need big cash injections from these sponsors because what that enables us to do is pay people like yourself, you know, um, bring in professionals that are able to, you know, aid us with technology or aid us with strength and conditioning or um, nutrition, um, bring in sponsors that are able to drive a competition to mean that players can be paid more or, or that, you know, um, female players are able to earn a full-time wage, whatever it is like that. That's what, um, yeah, that's sort of what's needed in that space. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say too, I think like finding those brands and I think they're out there and I know you and I have talked a lot about, you know, exactly like you said, like, you know, a couple about a couple hundred dollars here and there is not, you know, it makes a difference, but it's not sustainable. And I know we had a recent conversation about the sustainability, especially of the women's game and how do we make it, you know, really take off to a point where girls, you know, young girls and, you know, all ages want to play and it's finding the right brand because you want them, because what I've learned too from being here, especially at WASP, is just, you know, you really want them to invest because with AT&T, you know, they were all in on the WNBA, they were all in on the vision and we, you know, just what New Zealand hopefully will do and should do is find a brand out there that really aligns with those values and is all in and once you get that you're golden yeah 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 100 percent. yeah um i think the next thing probably to, to to ask you is the obviously you're a massive advocate for for women's basketball in new zealand and and we've seen over the last year or two i'd say an unprecedented amount of talent in the female game um and you know we it's not obviously you have someone like Charlie Sledger Walker who's who's sitting at the at the top there. We're going to be more players to, to come through like Charlie's, but she is an example of um, you know obviously second generation tall firm with her 
Um, her mum, a, a really strong player in her day. Um, and we're going to see more elite players at the top there, but it's, you know, multitudes of of Div 1 athletes, um, Juco. Like, there's so many um, strong female players now that are going to go and play in the States. But we're still, we're still struggling back in New Zealand in terms of those pathways. Um, and mm-hmm. it's great to see lots and lots of, of female players playing in Australia. Um, and we've seen some advances in terms of the, the women's uh, NBL, um, New Zealand women's NBL, um, the games being broadcast last year. You know, that was, that was a massive jump. But um, that competition was, um, was unpaid for the players. So we're, you know, we're, we're stuck between, at the moment, the massive player numbers, you know, not translating to success commercially, meaning that we are able to invest back in, in those athletes. Because when we do invest back in the athletes, it means that someone who's at, who is able to train, even if just say you were training every day, if you have to hold down a job for six months of the year or four months or eight months or whatever it is, you're not able to give your body, your mind, nutrition, everything, your, your full focus. In terms of your, you know, you're, you're such a great advocate for the former women's game in here in, here in New Zealand, you know, you're tied into, uh, you know, all the, the different great parts of it and, and you have really great connections. What do you think the women's game needs down here to, to succeed, you know, at, at those top levels, uh, we see the tall ferns doing really well now, which is great. But professionally, in terms of commercial success and 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 actually having professional players based in New Zealand, what what do you think we need down here? Yeah, for sure, and those are all great points. I think, like you said, the tall ferns have definitely we've seen an improvement in terms of support. I think honestly what it comes down to is just a lot of the marketing and really getting people to believe in it and believe that it can succeed because, you know, I found, because, you know, the whole reason I found this was because I found, you know, there was someone, there was a woman playing here in the States and then I called to her story and I just kind of one thing led to another, but I think it's really finding, telling those stories. And that's a lot of the driving force behind what I do is because we want to get those stories out there. And mm-hmm. in order to do that and just to get people to appreciate it. And so I think that and the more noise we make, that'll get, you know, sponsors involved and other, you know, other important things to make, a, you know, a woman's it sustainable. Um, but a lot of it is just a belief and an investment in time and one that may not entirely cycle around right away to, and pay off. But, uh, you know, it, it will in the coming years, especially with the rate that basketball is going. So I think that's a lot of where we're headed right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think that um, that some of the positive strides that have been made in both the men's and the women's games, I think they do bode well for the future. Um, we're seeing a New Zealand NBL that's being played at the moment, which is showing extra level of professionalism, which is great. Um, and you know, I, I'm obviously, um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a critic of a lot of things in, in in New Zealand basketball, but that's because I want um, you know I, I don't have to justify it, but I just want things to be better here, you know. And um, so, but it's great to see that there is a bit of a there is a, an extra level of professionalism that we've seen for some teams in, in the New Zealand NBL in the men's version, which is great. Um, and I'm hoping that that 
you know that some of the women's teams will look to take the lead there and um and and continue to drive on obviously having all the games on sky sport is is, is huge and it's a really great start um and yeah like obviously we we're, we're looking to try and um keep that positive um movement uh, but then also i think it's important yeah as we say you know it's important to to keep holding ourselves accountable for to try and um yeah push the game you know to a to a higher standard and i think too yeah i think part of that is um giving people who like the players a say and what happens and coaches and other female leaders who work closely with the game, I think giving them more of a seat at the table a little bit and giving them, you know, main campaigns did a great job. And I know some of the other former tall firms and international players are getting involved a little bit more now. Um, you know, Lisa Wallbutton, Donna Wilkins, you know, all these that we're seeing, all these broadcasts and we're seeing them kind of come out, you know, sit their heads back into it. But it's really just making sure those people are in those conversations. And I know Jody Cameron's been making a lot of noise and she's running a camp up in Altland for young girls. And, you know, just, just little things like that. You know, what Guy Malloy is doing right now, going around with the coaching clinics and getting basketball in front of coaches and girls and really being hands on with them. That's really great. Um, so there's definitely positive signs. I, I'd say um, there's definitely, of course, you know, there's always more that, that can be done. But I think, you know, the, the fact that we have a somewhat of a base to work with, um, that it's good to at least plant the seed that way. Yeah, 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 agreed. And yeah, yeah, look, you're bang on. I think that having women having more of a seat at the table means that um, people are able to use their personal experience to try and push this stuff forward. Like you can't you couldn't put together a really strong women's competition um, if you don't have a woman that were players and people that, and, and had the experience in that arena. Like I, I think that, um, that some, the decision makers within basketball in this country, I do think there needs to be more diversity. Um, and that's not just in terms of women, but that's in terms of um, diversity with different races as well. Like it's important that we, that, the decision makers are representative of the diversity of our game. You know, our, our game is really diverse. You know, look at go down to high school basketball on um, on a Friday night or whatever night of a week it is, and and you'll see all the different types that are running around on the court. And and that's that's how the game needs to be governed. Is that we need to to have that real diversity in terms of different sexes, different races, um, because these are the people that play our game. So they're the ones that need to help govern it. Exactly. You're spot on there. And it's really heartening for me, you know, when I go on, you know, social media and so many of the associations and clubs will be on Instagram or some form of social media channel that, you know, they're showing highlights, they're showing clips of these girls and they're really talented and they're, they're out there. And the thing is we know they're there and they're playing and they want to be there. And so there's really no better voice than theirs. And hopefully, you know, there's a way that we can keep them around long enough that they'll want to be involved. So that way, you know, down the road that they can be future decision makers, you know, for these situations. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I, and I think that, um, by, by getting so many players, um, on scholarship to the States, um, female players, um, 
what we're doing is we're with we're lengthening and strengthening the amount of time that someone can stay in the game um and 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 i'm not sure if we've always been if the governance in the in new zealand has always been that supportive in terms of scholarships but i think that that that's something that we do need to continue to push now you know sometimes the that people aren't happy in terms of the um maybe the quality of of college basketball from both a men's and women's standpoint but it's about something bigger than that where if people can go away and do their four years in university you know they get to travel you're making lifelong friends um and if you can go and do business or like whatever you study but if you are able to be part of something where it's business or marketing whatever it is then you're coming back and you're an asset in your community you've also had four years of you know the best skill training um regardless of the level you play at um that that means that you'll become back a better basketball player and, and a better person and, and those skills can mean that you can come back into a into your community and maybe it's setting up a club or maybe it's sitting on a board we need to continue to push kids down the scholarship route so that they come back with the skills that can help us grow the game here absolutely and you know the quality i think and it can you know i think the quality of the ncaa basketball has been it's always been i think fairly good i know it's definitely especially in the women's side it's definitely gotten better over the past couple years and i think this year is probably one of the best that i've ever seen it and you know even then you know being on scholarship and just having experience being here in the state even though i didn't play college athletics i know from people i've talked to and from seeing it firsthand just how transformative it can be and the opportunities here in the u.s and i'm sure they're huge in other places too but here are just second to none with the access you get the connections you can make and just really your personal brand that you can grow and it really sets you up and it's something that i know I wish, you know, more young, especially young girls down there would be able to have access to. And I know there's different components that go into that. And, you know, but it's really great to see, you know, someone like Chris Vaughn and lead, you know, lead scholarships, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. It's, you know, whether it's a JUCO or if it's D1, D2, D3, like you're going to get, you know, you're going to get to play your sport, but you're also going to get those lessons along the way. And so, yeah, I'm really, and it looks like it's, you know, he's doing, you know, Chris is doing some great stuff, and I'm hoping that's just kind of a, the beginning of what we can see in terms of getting young women over here, because I know it can do a world of difference, and like just from the, the woman I've talked to, like Zoe Richards, Nina Davidson, Stella Beck, you know, they've all said like their experiences over here have been second to none, and it just really made them who they are, and you know, those are the ones you want leading the way, and you know, hopefully they can inspire, inspire young girls to kind of look into that as well. And then, yeah. you know, hopefully we can provide those opportunities yeah. for them. Oh, I just lost you for a second. Hold on a sec. You still hear me? Yep. Oh, sorry. I'm going to carry on. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And I think that the, some of the issues that we have down here can be remedied by, by just getting more experience and, and, you know, having, we have more players come back from, from scholarship um, from the U S is we're, we're actually strengthening our teams and our leagues, not just in 
New Zealand, but also in Australia um, by having more players on scholarship. I th- leading on from that, the the WNBA I think has had a massive focus in probably the last I think eighteen months. You know, like at the end of his life, Kobe Bryant was really you know pushing hard around around the WNBA, and we saw um, you know obviously the the famous hoodies that like you know going. <laughs> out of stock all around yeah. the world and and we've really seen a resurgence in not just interest um in the WNBA but people really actually taking a more of an active interest you no know, not just paying lip service to it but taking more of an active interest in um the teams the stats like we're seeing um you know merchandise um like the city uniforms there's so many different things happening now and we're also starting to see more investment from brands and 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 you know the WNBA itself getting more um like accessibility what what lessons do you think that we can take from that down here and and also like yeah from your perspective from of how the WNBA is perceived in the states like talk a bit more about Um, the positive stuff that's been happening in the WNBA recently. Yeah, it's been incredible to see. And, you know, last year, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of those players who have been so, just so vocal and, you know, advocates for it this whole time, you know, it was really great to see a spotlight finally shown where it was due. Um, It was about time, in my opinion. Um, But there's been just, I would say it's been a lot more, a lot more media, a lot more marketing. I will say like there have been a lot of women and a couple of people who have really been like, uh, you know, Meredith Minto, Ariel Chambers, people like that who have been around the league for, you know, for a long time. And they've been trying, you know, they've been endlessly trying to hype it up and everything. And I think finally there was a breakthrough. I don't know if it necessarily just took the social justice movement or, you know, what it was that people are starting to see too. I think the rise of personal brands for the players has been really good. Them getting the sponsorship, you know, their individual sponsorships. And then finally, everything just kind of started to culminate together. And so, you know, you're seeing the Jordan brand over here. They're sponsoring a lot more female athletes. Uh, Kia Nurse has been really good, Derek Hanby. And so that's been really good. And then, you know, Google, uh, Google coming on board um, as a partner with the WNBA. And so just a lot more big brands, I think, are realizing like, you know, it's not, it's not too late to get on board. And, you know, we're actually seeing, you know, I was in the Nike store a couple weeks ago and they had WNBA merch. And so things are actually really present and in front of people. Um, you know, they're broadcasting most of the games, they're, they have a new app and there, I think it's just, you know, more visibility. It was really visible last year. Um, and, I think now we're finally starting to see like rewards, which is really cool. And, you know, even in uh, Penn, you know, up at Madison Square Garden, you know, Sabrina Inescu, number one pick in last year's draft, she's now the main billboard there. So you're really seeing, That's awesome. you know, brands like Nike and Adidas and everything, like they're also contributing to the conversation. And so now everything I think is finally gelling together and it's, it's everywhere now. And it's, and there's a lot of positive talk and just, been really nothing but praise yeah. so it's been it's been awesome to see yeah yeah it's huge and and i mean new zealand's just had the one 
um, WNBA player. Shout out Megan Compain, amazing, um, you know, person for the uh, amazing woman for the sport, and you know, overall, um, yeah, like I think that I know that New Zealand will have more WNBA players. Like I think that Charlie's is a lock, um, yeah. you know, and it's been obviously a long time since. Um, since since Megan played, um, but I feel that we have a lot more WNBA players running around down here, um, and it would be it would be great if we were able to get more coverage. I think of the WNBA in New Zealand. Um, I don't actually have, um, I'm, not, I'm I've got Sky TV now, um, but it's not something that I'm you know I just usually have a um, a month pass and that sort of stuff depending on what's on. Um, so I'm not sure if there is a lot of um, WNBA available to be watched on Sky in New Zealand. Um, you actually can do WNBA League Pass is available worldwide, I believe. Yeah. And so that, um, and they've been really pushing that hard. I know they, you know, they had it last year, and I think it's all games for like sixteen ninety nine Americans. Wow. So it's That's really not bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible, and I mean, it's the best investment I've made. And yeah. I push all my all my friends to get it. And I think anybody who is, I say anyone, if you just like good basketball, yeah. get it, you know, yeah. like, and especially the talent level over here, you know, super Diana Trossi, I mean, the list goes on. These women can play and they're setting yeah. examples. And I know, and so it's great that, you know, we have the pass and I'm hoping more people, um, I know Europe has really caught on to it just because, you know, the Euro League and so many of those players go over there. But it would be great to see something like in Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, really catch on to that as well. And, you know, to your, and just your earlier point, you know, New Zealand's got so many, you know, so much potential. And there are definitely WNBA caliber, caliber players down there. I think it's just a matter of us finding them and yeah. really making sure that they get through the system and, you know, we champion them along the way. Yeah, agreed. And, that, and that's a great point. Like, we don't, we don't actually need to have um the WNBA games on on Sky TV down here in New Zealand because the WNBA league pass is so reasonable and I think it's just a case of um of people investing in and like I don't think you know league pass hasn't the men's league pass hasn't been huge for that long you know and but people need to dive in um you know if you if you're a supporter of women's basketball then you know get the WNBA league pass um I didn't realize it was that reasonable like I'll get it my I'll get it myself now like that's and these are the conversations that need to be had so we can continue to put money back into the game. Um, I know people want to cut cables and, and stream and have illegal streams and stuff. And, and like, um, but the, but what people need to realize is that regardless of if it's men's or women's, if you're, you know, buying jerseys, singlets, socks, shoes, um, if you're buying things that are part of franchises or uh, buying league pass, you're actually going, you know, and it's it's only maybe only a small part goes back to the player, but um, in the NBA and the WNBA, it's it's a, it's a really strong amount that goes back to the player, and and we're actually able to invest back in women's basketball by um, by supporting and and uh, showing our love with with our financial spend. Uh, absolutely, and I think I mean there's just and there's so many layers to that, and it's great because I remember from the time I mean I, was, I watched the WNBA when I was a teenager. And I wanted to find like a super Jersey or, you know, Diana Trossi or some of these players that I've looked up to for so long, but I could never get it. 
and I think finally people were starting to realize like, holy crap, like this is a real thing. We want it. And then, you know, people finally caved and, you know, also hats off to commissioner Kathy Engelbert. She's done a great job. And I know she's been in the players association too. They've been a driving force behind that, you know, and something that I've always hoped, uh, for New Zealand. And I know Australia, the WNBL has done this because I partook in this, um, is even if it's just some small kind of merch, I know the men's NBL teams and men's that are doing that, most of them are at least, I'm hoping, but I'm really hoping the women can get behind it and we can make that happen. Because I know for me, I've always like, I've always gravitated to the players who, you know, they're not, you're not always gonna find them in mass, you know, jerseys that, that have mass production but they're out there. And I think just having players that you can identify with and then rep that club or rep that player because sport has that ability to bring that connection, I think that's so important. And New Zealand has some really amazing people, especially on the women's side. And so it'd be great to see at some point, and I've thought about this a lot, it's, you know, what, and I know there's some like SAS and they do some uniforms and things like that, but how can we elevate that? to really get the fans involved. Cause I think that'll get the support going that much more than, you know, they want to rock up to games and they want to don whatever merch they have. And I think that kind of support, if we could get there for the women would just be incredible. And like, I, I know like an ultimate dream for me one day would be to walk into a sporting store in Oakland or Wellington or somewhere. And they would have a, you know, a Stella Beck or a Panina Davidson or a Kalani Jersey, or even just like a tall French singlet. And that would be, you know, just that amount of support. I think we can, I think we can get there, um, and it's achievable because the women are more than worth it. Yeah, um, it's just yeah. kind of waiting. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I think that's one thing that we haven't done that well in New Zealand for either the men's or the women's games. Is, um, you know, even if we go back to the last World Championships, like for the men, Corey Webster was, you know, averaging twenty three points a game. Um, and I can guarantee at that point, one, one of the best players on the world stage in that tournament, I know people probably wanted to wear a Corey Webster jersey at that point in time. Um, and neither for the men's or the women's are we able to to sort of buy in and, and get that type of merch. And that, like, not only is that great for the fan, but that's that's money in the coffers for these organisations that could be invested back, you know, and... and as you say, we've got these amazing women's players um, and we should, that should be a goal that, you know, we have um, people that are heroes for these kids that are closer to home. Um, And for the end of the day, it comes back to relevance. And, you know, obviously the players here won't be as relevant as, you know, a LeBron James or a Stephen Curry um, jersey. But people want to wear local, you know, with with COVID and and um, like less importing and and people not able to you know, travel overseas and stuff. We've seen trends change in terms of the way that people shop, where they're you know they're proud to go and buy a jar of mayonnaise that's made just down the road rather than buying something that's imported. And I'm sure that New Zealanders would love to um, to you know rep a um, a jersey or a singlet or socks or, or a t-shirt from from a local club because that like that's it's actually it's part of who we are um so the, i feel like the clubs need to and we've seen a bit more of it in this year's new zealand nbl like i've seen 
that the Auckland shout out the Auckland Huskies doing a really good job with um, their merch and and we're you know sort of seeing a range of stuff. I saw the Mountaineers um, put out a whole bunch of things on their social media today about their um, their merchandise, which is great. But we need to we need to see that represented across many teams and again with with the women. And it doesn't mean that with that these teams need to go here and make thousands of them, but if people can identify with a player and, and as you say, go and rep that that player or that club, um, you know, it doesn't have to have a name on the back. You know, it could be anything, but it's it's starting somewhere so that um, we can get that investment back. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking, and actually, it's I get what I'm just realizing this now. I'm actually wearing an Auckland Dream shirt as we speak um, <laughs> that I actually bought at my first. Like literally the first game I ever, first WBC game I ever went to on the ground, they had the, they had the merch and I went and took it, and I, you know, I, I bought it because it was, it was something that was that meant a lot to me. And I, if I say like you know if we're in, if you're in a position to do it, like I'm always willing to pay full price. I want to do anything I can to can to give back to support the club because that's what's going to get these players to the next level and that's what's going to keep it sustainable. And I think that term sustainable is what the women's game has been toying a lot with right now. And just how do we make it really, really, you know, how do we put on a great product, but, you know, long lasting. So, you know, we don't have to, so we don't keep circling back to this year after year. And I think investing in just even like you said, like a small amount, it doesn't have to be thousands, but just some form of merchandise uh, that people, and because, you know, we see it with associations and with the men's, but the men's NBL, people will buy it. There's a, you know, there's a market for it. Um, I just, I think for the, you know, I know I can, I'm sure it can work for the woman and I'm confident that it will. And, uh, you know, that way when, you know, you see, like, imagine rocking up to the NBL tournament and, you know, you're wearing that, like, that's pretty cool. And, you know, it makes the players feel good too. And yep. cause I've been able to go, been fortunate to go to WNBL games. And I'll tell you like the Melbourne Boomers do an amazing job. And, you know, almost everybody in there is wearing purple or some form of team gear. And uh, to, and because New Zealand, because it's such a tight-knit community, just thinking about what that could be like, you know, it just makes my heart happy. And so, you know, it's that's definitely something that I hope will happen. Um, and, you know, it's just it's, it's good for everybody. It's good for the fans. It's good for the players. It's good for the clubs. It's good for the growth of the game. You really can't lose. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and you know, team. I think teams can start off with, you know, a limited run. If it's someone that doesn't have a massive amount of funds, then look, maybe is it a limited run of t-shirts? I think it's trying to be more collaborative, also with local business. Uh, obviously, it's cheaper to 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 buy stuff in from other countries, and and look, maybe that's the way that some of the bigger clubs can go. But if you were able to collaborate with a local business, um, to say to get a run of a few hundred t-shirts made, then then here's a start, you know, it might not be a jersey with a player's name on it, but here's a start for us to, to invest back and then get the, get brand some visibility. And I think when sponsors want to go and invest, when they, they walk around and, and they see everyone wearing a and I hate to say rugby, but a Wellington Hurricanes jersey, but the, that the fact is that that brand visibility has been what rugby has done so well for so long. Um, and for, for, in New Zealand, it's probably um, Lakers jerseys, Celtics jerseys, all that sort of stuff. You know, we're we're part of the way there. The the, the NBA is always going to be bigger, but we're part of the way there with 
with sneaker culture, um, you know, with hoops culture and people, you know, collecting and swapping jerseys, socks, um, you know, shoes. Like we're we're part of the way there with with hoops culture. It just takes, I think, a bit more entrepreneurship around around how businesses go about this. But I hope that that we can continue to to yeah, push on and, and and bring that sort of stuff out so so people can support their teams and the players that they love. And shout out Auckland Ballers and GR Race Basketball because they've been doing a great job on their merch and, you know, people are rocking it and, you know, just those, like you said, those local brands and because New Zealand has so much pride, you know, in the local stuff and everything like that's, I think that just makes it even more special and even finding players to maybe collaborate to do designs or something like that, bringing them into the mix. Because, um, you know, some of them are artists and kind of have that eye. So maybe even having collaboration there. Um, you know, there's just so many different avenues and so much potential to get involved with everybody there. Yeah. Yeah. One, one, 100%. Um, I think the, the last, the last thing I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, we're going to, we're going to close it out soon, but I think the last thing I sort of want to touch on is, um, the positive impact that, um, that you've had around illuminating um, basket, women's basketball down here. And I think that touching on probably branding and media is important. Um, what I, I think we don't see at the moment is um, enough of uh, this drive around social media. And so what you do a great job of, Lyndon, is, um, is sort of pushing um, you know, different players or teams based on, on your knowledge. And we actually don't, we don't really have, obviously we don't really have specific um, basketball coverage down here. Um, but what I'd also love to see more of is, is probably trying to get a bit more coverage of, um, of the women's game from either a social media or, or news perspective. Um, we've seen some great steps with the, with the men's getting more coverage. Um, but I'd love to see yeah, the, the social media um, news articles and probably more, more great video and photo content probably around the women's game in New Zealand would also be huge as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, and part of the reason I started the Instagram account for the blog was because I wanted to do exactly that. And it literally just came from like from the WBC tournament. I was like, wait, why isn't this there? Like this. And you know, when, when I, and I, you know, I was a journalism major, I know how to, you know, I, I was taught to try and find, you know, certain things and, you know, when things just don't pop up, it's, you know, okay, how can you kind of reinvent the wheel? But I think, you know, the nice thing is because it is such an untapped space, there's so much potential. I'm sure like, you know, the access is there. And as long as you can get there and, you know, I tell you, like, I've received nothing. I've been lucky enough to receive nothing but positive feedback from the women that I've chatted to either in person or over social and they love it and they appreciate it. And so, you know, and that's why I, I'm so adamant and pushing on Twitter and IG and all those things. Just, it's just the visibility and I'm hoping we can see more of that. Like you said, and if, you know, like local creators out there, you know, shout out Auckland Ballers again, you know, they do a great job. They did an amazing coverage of the show that, you know, the Talburn showcase back in August, you know, that, that, you know, those videos were so fire. And I think that just really brought everybody into their world and, you know, hopefully, you know, there are just, there are more creators out there, whether that's writing, whether that's, 
you know, podcasts like what you're doing or, you know, video, photo, you know, any medium and plus it's done to get out there and they will see it and they're going to appreciate it. And it's, if New Zealand has shown anything, it's, you know, it's a mighty community and once everyone works together, you know, you really can't stop it. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that eventually in the coming years, and I think we're starting to see an uptick in it, uh, you know, just people starting to recognize it and then really start talking about it, really whatever it is. And um, yeah, I mean, some of the national outlets are starting to get there, but hopefully, you know, hopefully more people just want to even just like taking pictures and like, you know, getting a hashtag going and tagging it with that, you know, it start, you know, it can start there. Um, so there's a good blueprint for it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the, the, the way that things are done with some of those people, we like mentioned Auckland ballers, um, GI rise, you know, there are, there are some people that are doing some great things in the content space. Um, and even though we need to see a lot more of it, um, it's just about people putting themselves out there, um, you know, sharing more of this content and, and trying to create things that are, you know, that are fun and, and original. Um, we're going to close this one out. Uh, Lyndon, I, I really appreciate you um, not only as a friend, but as someone who has that real passion and drive for the game in New Zealand. Um, you know, we, when we got into this, we knew that this this thing wasn't going to be easy. But um, you know, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel in terms of some of the positive things that that are happening. You know, we've got some great independent providers and and, and some some awesome stuff happening with, as you say, with scholarships and um, and our professional players and 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 obviously amateur players as well, really putting themselves out there on the world stage. So I really appreciate you and and you taking the time out of your day and wish you all the best as you hand in your last papers and um, hopefully we can see you in New Zealand within the next year or so. Yeah, no, thank you again for having me. And thank you. I just want to say thanks for all you do and for really, you know, you're a huge mentor to a lot of us and, you know, you also help set the tone for some of the conversations we should be thinking about and just giving us a sounding board. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing community to be part of and, and so I want to say thank you to New Zealand for embracing me. And uh, I look forward to being part of, you know, a couple more adventures, hopefully in the near future. And, yeah. uh, but I'll, you know, but we'll, we'll be in touch one way or another. So the grind don't stop. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. hundred percent, Lyndon. Thanks so much. We're going to close this one out. Thanks everyone for listening in uh, and keep listening to the baseline podcast. Cheers.